Hey, it's Well Red Beard. Uh, I appreciate you being here. I'm back full time on my channel. I would love for you to come over and subscribe. Just search Well Red Beard on YouTube. Um, I delve deep into horror. I've spent the last three years uh, reading a ton of independent small press horror. There's treasure to be found there, and I go out there and find it for you. I, I'm not afraid to tell you the books that aren't great while telling you the books that are great. I don't break hearts or hurt feelings, but if a book doesn't work for me, I will tell you that and I'll tell you why. I'm on a new mission now to, to go back and dig into some great horror from the 80s and 90s. I'm working my way through Robert McCammon's books. I'm gonna look at all of Peter Straub's work. I'm gonna do uh, Brian Keene. I've got aspirations to go back and do J.F. Gonzalez. A lot of the greats, so you have a good idea of where to start. I have a video up for J.F. Gonzalez's Survivor, so you can see what all the fuss is about. I recently read Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian, so you can see what all the fuss is about. Uh, I just want you to come over and subscribe. I'm trying to grow the thing. I appreciate you taking a look at it. This is Well Read Beard. I hope you're enjoying all your books as much as I am. If not, you're reading the wrong damn books. I'm David Demchuk the author of the experimental queer horror novel Red X. Many readers think queer horror is just for queer people. I'm here to tell you it's not. We have the same dreams. We have the same fears. Red X tells the story of gay men who are being taken from their friends and family by an ageless supernatural being. But it's also my story, and the story of friends that I have lost over the decades. Join me in Red X as we explore my darkest fears together. Red X is published by Strangelight, an imprint of Penguin Random House, and is available at fine bookstores everywhere. So, I have some pretty exciting news to share. Megan the Horror Babe is partnering up with Horror Max, and I want you guys to join me on my adventure as I watch really campy, cheesy slasher horror movies. I'll be watching tons of scary movies and reviewing them, and you guys can follow along. So if you use the code HORRORBABE, you'll get a free month on me. I promise I won't let you down. It was as if the video had unzipped my skin, slunk inside my tapered flesh, and become one with me. From the creator of This Is Horror comes a new nightmare for the digital age, The Girl in the Video by Michael David Wilson. After a teacher receives a weirdly arousing video, his life descends into paranoia and obsession. More videos follow, each containing information no stranger could possibly know. But who's sending them and what do they want? The answers may destroy everything and everyone he loves. The Girl in the Video is the ring meets fatal attraction for the iPhone generation. Available now in paperback, ebook, and audio. Welcome to Dead Headspace. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough here, joined again, as always, it's worded very oddly, with my co-host, Bren LaFaro. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And today we're joined by the author of Inside Out. That is, if you're listening to this episode on the day the episode is released, it's out today, October 10th, 2022. Laura Gislason, did I pronounce your surname right? <laughs> yes, you did. Say hi, Laura. Hi, everybody. Now, the very cool thing about this is uh, we get to claim that this is your first podcast appearance, which is awesome because after reading Inside Out and then Toothworms, you're going to get a lot of <laughs> you're going to get a lot of invites. So I just got to say from Brennan and I, it's an honor and uh, we'd love to know what got you into horror. Oh gosh. <laughs> um I I feel like I it was sort of a natural thing, you know, you get kind of curious about creepy movies 
And then you just like dive in and are renting like 20 movies every day <laughs> from the the store down the street. It's just like, it's always kind of been there. But when I was about 14 or 15, it kind of ramped up like crazy. Oh, I get it. I'm in the same boat. Um, are you a 90s kid? I actually don't know. Yeah, 1990. Exactly. Oh, okay. Um, I'm 89. Brennan's a little bit older. 86. Is that right? 85. Oh, okay. Yeah, old man there. <laughs> so, yeah, because you said when I used to go down to the street to get a, a, a you know, whatever video, and <laughs> that that probably isn't uttered very often nowadays. Um, and I'm curious, is it is it like gross-up movies? Is it Cronenberg, uh, I'm sure, but is it any movie in particular? Because, like, when we're talking body horror, one that I hear brought, get brought up but not like a lot is return of the living dead. And, and I just, I, there's so many scenes you can pick from that, but um, was there one that you return to often that you would just keep renting just cause you loved it so much? Oh, it's, it's gotta be Hellraiser. I mean, oh. for, for a lot of people that was yeah. like the awakening, but for me in particular, I was like, Oh, Holy shit. You know, when you first watch it, uh the the frank coming up through the floor is just mm. like the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life and you want to watch it again and again that scene and the scene where johnny depp's character in the first nightmare and elster dies where it's all the blood gushing out of the the bed those two scenes are just like if i you saw both of those when i was a young teen too mm-hmm. uh, my mom would let me buy dvds and i just stacked in my collection of all that but i mean i can't even imagine what i would have thought in theaters with a bunch of kids my age watching. <laughs> yeah i i have only gotten into watching horror movies in theaters as an adult i can't imagine watching some of these like without you know like you sort of know about some of them just from word of mouth or they've been on the internet on scariest list, but I can't imagine going into like, yeah, return of the living dead blind in theaters and seeing the the tar man. Like yes. what, do, how do you even react to that? Yeah. That's, that's pretty much the, the first image I think of. It's so goofy, but if you see, and if that was in real life, I'm pretty sure I would literally shit my pants. <laughs> um, and I just want to point out Hellraiser. What are your thoughts on the, did you see the trailer for the new one, the upcoming one? Oh my gosh, I watched it like five times in a row. I'm so excited for it. And oh, that's what, in a couple days now, I'm I'm hoping that it'll be available in Canada right away. Because mm. I think it's on Hulu, which is not in Canada, but we'll see. But yeah, I'm like losing my mind. I need to see that immediately. Yeah, because uh, you know there were I think three Hellraisers well, Doug Bradley, and mm-hmm. and they were they were fine. Just if you were really thirsty for more Hellraiser, but this one looks like I mean Doug Bradley even embraced the new look, the new stacks, the new pinhead, and it's just everything that's right. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of the new Candyman, but I saw that and it just it felt it felt like it paid tribute, but like it kind of had its own voice and, and this is what the new hellraiser looks like um brennan i am talking too much why don't you jump in <laughs> i'm just i'm gonna throw out some positive thoughts for you Laura, because i know that hulu can be kind of a pain in the ass about um getting their stuff into the uk and canada and it's so weird to me because they did the books of blood as well that you know the the uk can't get the clive barker content um yeah i mean like that's where he's from it's crazy yep so i hope that comes your way sooner than later maybe even on i think it's the seventh that comes out Mm -hmm. uh question that kind of ties in with that whole what got you into horror thing uh on your website the byline is this way i was saved by horror and i'm curious where that comes from and that if that is a sentiment you feel really strongly about that horror saved you that is the title of the book of Daniel isn't real. If you guys know that movie, um, I haven't seen it, but I'm, yeah, I'm aware of it. Yeah, you, so it's about um, 
uh, I don't remember his name. I'm terrible. But there's a, a guy and he has an imaginary friend named Daniel. And he goes through a lot of mental health struggles and there's some cosmic stuff to it. And that was like one of the first horror movies I watched after the quarantine stuff started. And I think it was the first one that I was like, oh, I should write about, you know, horror movies. And that I really like that title. And I think horror has saved me in a way because I do go through a lot of mental health struggles. And sometimes seeing somebody get murdered horribly makes you feel better about (laughs) what's going on in the world. And is there follow up? No, sorry, I was trying to unmute there. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I'd actually love to kind of dive into that because I know that you uh, embraced not only writing, but writing uh, pri- first, first of all, nonfiction um, during the pandemic. So I'm kind of curious, like, what was what was the spark that made you start, you know, sharing your thoughts uh, online? Um, I, I was talking to a friend of mine and I was like, how come nobody's talking about this part of this movie? They're like, well, why don't you just do it yourself? Like, oh, I never, you know, I never even considered that. I got a lot of free time on my hands. Why, why don't I? And, uh, I think the very first movie I ever wrote about was, uh, Parents with, I think it has Randy Quaid in it. Because I thought it was real and a really interesting exploration of like how parents lie to children, but it's like seen as okay, you know, like white lies, but also they're cannibals. <laughs> so I, you know, I thought it was an interesting uh, combination of themes, and that was that was the very first thing I wrote about. And how'd you make the jump to fiction? Because it hasn't been that long, I believe. No, I think it was a few months after I started writing. I I had a weird dream about a guy and his eyeballs were melting. And I was like, wow, that was was such a vivid dream. I don't usually remember them that well. So I wrote it down on my phone. And that became what Inside Out is now. Very cool. So you know what? Let's dive in. Let's Let's do Inside Out. Now, the structure of this, um, I, I've, I've seen you talk about it in terms of it's almost like a story collection with a link. Um, you could call it a mosaic novel. Uh, I'm wondering how early on in, in the process you started kind of uh, dreaming up a format for it. Uh, it was totally accidental. The original dream that I had was was basically three different uh, dream stories and viewpoints and I wrote them all down separately and that's just like how it naturally started and then I wrote more and more and they were, they all felt really self-contained but in the same world and it didn't feel like forced or anything it just I'm I'm I guess also because uh, when you write nonfiction, there's a pretty standard article length of about 1,200 words. So that was my that's my like sweet spot for writing length, and that's kind of how my short stories worked out too. So uh, I can't claim total credit for the the layout. It just is how it happened. I magic into it. Now go ahead, man. I was just gonna say when I got into chapter two, which is really obviously early in the book but um the first it's on digital so i'm assuming three or four pages the part where you first see the two inside out people i literally went back and replayed that because i do text speech um (laughs) we we jump into that later i'm pretty sure it's because of the adhd thing it sucks i hate it but anyways um i'm i'm not exaggerating it might that might be a very low count I, i kept listening and I'm not going to spoil it because details are, in my opinion, just absolutely for their killer. It's how it, it, it's like the uh, I call it the Joe Lansdale effect. Like you could write that scene a number of ways anyone could. But the way you did it was so interesting, so vivid in the focal points of the details, comparing a certain <laughs> magic trick to body horror. <laughs> I was just blown away. And that for me that's one sign of a book that I I think is wonderful. And 
and it's hard to believe that you haven't written that long either. It's insane. I'm I'm kind of right. jealous in the best of ways. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, I really appreciate that. And I know exactly the part you're talking about. Uh, and I think I, I, I won't spoil it either, but it's a gross, I mean, the whole book is gross, but it's a gross thing. And I told my friend about it and they're like, wow, that's disgusting. I'm like, okay, I'm on, the, I'm on the right track. Um, Did you and laugh a lot writing this? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, maybe this is just a horror person thing, but I find gross and weird situations just funny. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't scare me. It's just like, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, you know, man, Brennan and Laura, tell me if I'm just like completely <laughs> not even relating this to what we're talking about, but it's kind of body horror. My friend at work today showed me this video where it's this kid with booger. That's my weak point. Like I get <laughs> so grossed out. My wife takes care of that most of the time. I, I can't handle it. Like I, I do everything else, but like if possible, I ask her to do it. Cause I just, a gag. And, um, my coworker showed me a video of a dad cleaning off the kid's booger with his oh, can't even say it. It was like hours ago with his mouth. Are you gonna be okay? Yeah. No, and he ate it. Um oh no. Oh god. Yeah, anyways, he showed me it and I'm like, dude, stop. And he he thought I was messing with him because like he's like, you're right hard, you like that stuff. I'm like, yep, this is my weak point. Like I will throw up and he thought I was kidding. And he he just like kind of tricked me where I wasn't paying attention. He showed me it where I saw more of the video. And I walked, we were in a building. I walked out, I was dry heaving, and I came so close to puking, and he could not stop laughing. And that's kind of <laughs> what you just said made me think of that. Cause like to me, that's absolutely putrid to where I will almost literally throw up. And he was cackling almost. Like a little kid. And it's funny if I pull myself out of my position, but body horror is fun like that. And um, Brandon, I actually want to ask you, is there one movie that you can think of that that you would say this is what I love if we're just talking about body horror? You know what? It's not my forte because it does. That's that's I think is the area of horror that I just can't deal with and i mean you 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 know and you know long time listeners will know that i don't get into the movie side as much as you do but like movies like uh let let's go with the thing you know i've seen it once and i know it's a masterpiece i know it's a great movie but there's some visuals in there that i'd just i'd be just as happy if they stayed out of my you know <laughs> eyeballs um I, I actually want to touch on something you brought. I'm so glad you brought up like just how effective the kind of descriptive scenes of the, let's say creatures, uh, not entirely accurate, but I'm going to say it anyway, creatures. Um, I, I thought that what really made them work was how many different sensory details you tapped into. You know, we had, we, we, we had sight of course, but there's sounds and the sounds are so nasty uh and there's smells and on occasion there's taste with it, which is just unpleasant to even think about the fact that you incorporated that so i'm kind of curious when you would write uh those scenes which were meant to absolutely meant to gross out how how many you know attempts did you make at it was is that like first draft this is just you kind of transcribing from your brain or did you go back and be like okay i need more smell here i need more you know sound <laughs> uh most of them are are first drafts i think i think smell is an uh like underutilized thing in horror i mean it's also kind of hard to convey that in movies and books sometimes but like i mean we're talking about uh things that are rotting and you know so i was like well what does what does rotting meat smell like? What do all these horrible things smell like? Because like th that's how it would be if there was a person who was melting in front of you probably would smell pretty terrible. So you want to have the whole smorgasbord of the experience. Yeah, <laughs> I love I, the phrasing there. <laughs> the whole smorgasbord <laughs> of experience. Yes. You're talking about the sense of smell and back to Clyde Barker. 
the held on heart. I mean, it's, it is one of my favorite stories. And I just, uh, I, I believe it was vanilla, the smell of vanilla that came with um, the Cenobites. I, I don't think it was used in the movie, but um, that and definitely, obviously, senses of every kind is touched on in that movie. Is Clive Barker a pretty big influence for you? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, it's just his writing is so powerful. And mm-hmm. I think the fact that he's a, a gay man is extremely important to like to have that and be like yes this this is a a gay horror writer and you can like tell he's got gay characters it's an important part of his writing and that's just really nice to have that kind of representation you know especially as like somebody who writes really gross stuff to have somebody else who also writes really gross stuff and is very very successful in his case to see that yeah you can do it if you write about like two horrible gundams made out of people it it can happen absolutely uh it was probably months ago brendan when we talked about barker Clyde barker when he was on that i'll call it an interview but i'm going to use air quotes it was pretty much just like it seemed like he was just brought there because he writes horror and it's just like a group of conservatives back in the 80s that you know, whatever you would think they would say, they probably said it. And oh, it was or, like a tribunal more than a than yeah. a court martial. <laughs> but what I loved about it is not only can he write well, but he holds his composure against literally the entire crowd of these assholes. And some of us mm-hmm. would just want to get super mad and say, fuck you. But he's just he I don't know how he is internally, obviously, but on the external, he's he's just a master at it. He stays calm. And I think that's really important. Because if you're trying to reach a general audience, which I think a lot of us are, you can't yell back. You gotta. You can't <laughs> teach by saying you're a dumbass. Um, he he's a huge influence for a lot of us. Me too. And um, I started with his movies before I got into his his writing. Like King, I didn't read him until the twenties. Uh, until I was in my early twenties. But the movies, the Hellraiser. And uh, Nightbreed, <laughs> Nightbreed's another, <laughs> that is such a trippy movie. Um, that is. Brennan, is there anything, I'm not sure how to word uh, certain questions that I have about Inside Out without kind of touching on spoilery ter- territory. So either one, jump on me if I'm doing it. But I wanted to say that the scene at the end, or, or the sequence at the end with the scientist reminded me of Dawn of the Dead uh, with Bub. And I love that movie too. And it just, it, it made me kind of, um, it made me laugh and it made me feel again, definitely think this might be a spoiler. So tell me if it is, but there's a part where there's a connection between the creature and the scientist. And, and I thought it was really interesting because you don't have all your characters in agreement with how these creatures are because that's not life. And I thought you did that very well. Oh well, I, I appreciate that. I think uh, also, like I love, I love Dawn of the Dead. I love, uh, or is that Day of the Dead with Bob? Oh shit! I, yeah, Dawn of the Dead's in the mall. <laughs> You're right. Day of the Dead is uh, underground. Um, Bob is great, and I think uh, I was also really inspired by. I think it's RoboCop Two, where there's a brain in a jar. I just, I think that imagery of. Uh, like because his eyes are still there it's just a brain and the stem and eyes like what is he experiencing when he's in that predicament and how we would even relate to something like that i I heard something interesting today on a man i forget who said it but that the eyes are actually not connected that they are brain they're literally your brain just squeezed out of your skull they're the uh, receptors and that (laughs) <laughs> that made my head hurt to think of how our bodies are just all these weird parts of meat and, and solid bone and car it's just i feel like you're gonna exploit a lot of that in the best of ways is is i don't want to like pigeonhole you is body horror something where you want to play in that sandbox for a while you see yourself exploring other subgenres or or have you not thought uh about 
you know, the next couple books ahead. I think I have written maybe two stories that are not body horror. It's just, that's my wheelhouse. That's where I'm comfortable. And that seems to be where I gravitate to naturally. It's uh, my next project I'm working on is also body horror. (laughs) And I'm editing an anthology of body horror written by trans and non-binary writers so it's yeah i have i have pigeonholed myself but i'm i'm happy with it well that's you know whatever you're happy with that's awesome because you're also getting paid for it and people are (laughs) people all over the world are like we just met two weeks ago maybe and we wanted to get you on right away because like it's it's exciting um and that's the cool thing about the internet is just like you, you never know who's gonna read it and you never know who you're gonna inspire. Um I had a, one more question about inside out, but Brennan, uh you know what? I'm gonna interrupt you. I'm gonna I'm gonna read Erica's questions if that's cool. Yeah, because yeah, it has to do with that. Yeah. Quote. So uh this is these are from Erica Robin, one of our favorite people on the show. Uh and I believe uh somebody who was one of the first kind of early readers of inside out um so erica starts with are you ready for the world to experience your goopy horror in all its greatness <laughs> oh i i'm i'm ready and i'm i'm, I'm a little nervous to be honest because uh, i think the last week i've been i've been realizing oh people are actually gonna read this because i have <laughs> some some very weird things in there and now everyone is going to know exactly how weird I am (laughs) before you get to that second question I actually have something to piggyback off of that um so I I joined Twitter in 2014 and it took me like six years to really get into it with like the writing community and all that but um for a while I was pretty nervous about like I would ask questions on Twitter and I'd be like what's too far what's too dark because i'll get early feedback in like 2014 on this website i forget the name but it was just writers basically kind of giving critiques and uh i wrote this one scene and someone said that i shouldn't have children in there it wasn't like sexually graphic or anything it was just a basically a table where it was living kids but they're kind of dead and there's their bodies held up by a literal framework of like wood it was weird it's kind of body horror too, but um, well, one of the notes was that like no one's gonna like this. It's it's too gross and too far. So for a while, I wasn't sure either, and I thought that would. I was kind of worried. I was kind of worried not what my family or other people thought that I would just be kind of um, it would be like you're a freak, you're gross, and <laughs> and I'm not saying that's what your thoughts are, but I do think a lot of us go through that in the beginning. You know, because you're 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 being vulnerable. You're saying to the world, "This is who I am." There's no question yeah. there. I don't, I don't know how to end it. <laughs> no, I I know I I totally agree with you. And um, I mean, some of my I mean, my friends know I'm a weirdo, but my my family's told me that they're going to buy my book and read it. And I'm like, no, you don't you don't have to read it. If you want to buy it, that's fine. Just put it on the the shelf, look at it, but don't don't read it. Brennan's you don't, like need, that you don't his, need to know. <laughs> Brennan's like that with uh, Noose with his family because it's not as uh, PG as his previous book. Yeah, I, I told Patrick um, my my mom was over here watching our kids when uh, the first like ten copies that uh, Andrew sent over came in the mail, and she asked if she could have one, and I said okay, and I signed I signed it over to her, and I said might want to just keep this one on the shelf. I don't it's just it's not for you and it's (laughs) it's it's not even on the same level as as inside out it's just you know just splattery enough that the people that i know and love in my everyday life are not interested in it which is why we do this show so we can talk to people who are interested in the uh gross stuff um i think my my mom said that she thought the cover was was pretty so so thanks mom that is an awesome cover. That's what drew me to it right away. Beyond the fact that, Brennan, this is my segue, nudge, nudge to you about Dark Lit in a minute. So um, it, it just, it drew me in because it was just 
so weird and awesome and it, the color palette too is just it, it's kind of pink like bubblegum but it's like gross and it's like kind of cartoony enough where it's fine but if it was happening in real life i would be freaking out <laughs> yeah so that leads me to you, Brennan. Let's talk. Okay, per- I'm just it. making myself a note because I want to make sure we come back to Erica's second question afterward because it's not oh, yeah, direct. No, 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 it's not directly linked to the first one she asked. So I'm going to save it and just please don't let me forget it, guys. Um, all right. So I obviously I want to ask you about working with Darklit, something I know pretty well um, and something I'm pretty sure I can guess what your answer is. But specifically... Um, we had Violet Castro on here. Uh, we've had her on a few times, but the first time she ever came on, she talked about uh, marginalized voices uh, submitting work to presses and the idea that if you don't see yourself represented in a press, uh, you might be more hesitant to submit your work to them because you just don't know how they'll treat it. So I suppose my question, my larger question is, what's it been like to work with Dark Press? But I'm also wondering, what would you say to uh, marginalized authors who have a manuscript in their back pocket and maybe thinking about sending it to Dark Lit? Well, it's been a great experience. Andrew is like the nicest guy and he's (laughs) extremely... uh, supportive and he's always pushing the socials and you know doing all that marketing side of thing that i'm not great with um i it's a bit of a long story but my book originally had a different publisher and then that didn't work out and they had another publisher so this is actually number number three for inside out which is crazy to even think about oh wow um but after the the second time I was I was sort of like, well, does you know, d- does anybody have anything open right now? And uh, I had been just casually chatting with uh, Caitlin Marceau, and she talked about how great Andrew was. And I was really hesitant at this point to to go with anybody because you know this is this is my baby. So <laughs> I Your I didn't want it, baby <laughs> my goop baby. <laughs> I didn't want anything to get messed up ag- again. And she said, no, Andrew's Andrew's great. You know, I trust him with all this stuff. And he he really liked it. And he told me a very detailed plan of how he was going to uh, promote the book. And I was like, okay, well, I feel pretty, pretty positive about this. And he's always been really great with um, my, my pronouns and all that kind of stuff. So I never felt um, uncomfortable with you know some sometimes it feels a little uh straight hetero kind of in the horror field but it's he's very open to it and for other marginalized people i would just say like if you know any other writers who are kind of in the same lgbt circle as you might would talk to them and ask them about publishers and what their experiences were like because uh there's there's you know there's some that are more geared towards that than others i think andrew is more of a a general horror publisher rather than something specific because there's ones that are more like gothic horror you know but he's open to the the weird stuff as well as the the more typical horror so yeah, I mean, what I've seen from him that he's publicly released, it's it, it, it's diverse in every sense of the word, from content to creator, diverse-wise. Um, he's a really nice guy. We've both, me and Brennan have known him for like, I think it's going on three years now, and he's always been very positive, very, you know, very um, cheerleader-esque, and uh, just has a really good outlook on on everything. And he's really good at promoting, like he's super smart with marketing. He's going to go really far, and it's cool seeing you two, amongst a few others, be the foundation for this. Yeah, I I think I originally followed him uh, just because I saw him posting on Twitter, and he had, you know, a quarter number of followers. So I was like, oh, well, you know, what's this guy's deal? And then I'm like, oh, he's also Canadian. <laughs> That's great. And he's just so enthusiastic about everything. And I think that rubs off on everyone he works with. When um, we had Brennan 
it's weird to say this. When we had Brennan on, <laughs> we had Brennan on for news. Uh, Andrew came on with Tyler Jones and Erica Robin, and um, it was at one point we talked about news and how I thought it was neat how um, Brennan, please tell me if this is spoiling it. But there's uh, well, you said it on the other episode, so I mean, if it wasn't a spoiler, then which it kind of was. I'm gonna I can't be remember. honest with you, but <laughs> all right, I'll repeat it. Um, one of the characters is handicap. She she can't talk. Um, and I thought that was amazing because it's I like I'm editing a weird western and I specifically didn't want cowboys, you know, cowboys versus Indians and, and gunslingers and all that. I don't want the typical stuff. Having someone that is deaf or or um can't, you know, whatever the case is, it, it they everyone existed back then too. So it's nice to see that. And Andrew brought up how he's legally blind and he said he would love to see that. And and that just kind of started a conversation. So I kind of hope that that, you know, also welcomes whoever's listening that you're welcome here too. Cause Andrew is that welcome at. I, I think it's really one of the, the first things he mentioned to me is that I think he, uh, the way he reads is a little bit different because of uh, his, his disability so he's got you know it zoomed in pretty far or whatever and he he said he appreciated that my book was very visual and that it made it easier to i don't know digest or read or whatever you want to call it and i think that's just you know sort of the way my brain works i'm a very visual person i watch a lot of movies so i'm glad that that worked for him and i'm glad it works for other people Absolutely. Brendan, you want to dive a little bit more into Darklit? Uh, well, actually, this is a perfect segue because you talked about the visuals in your book. And one of the most kind of striking parts of your book is all of the visuals between, you know, chapters uh, here and there. And it's uh, what's so interesting is it's not just, you know, one artist that did a series of pictures for it. You went to town. Uh, you, you, you brought on this kind of host of artists to illustrate different points in the book. So tell us a little bit about that. And you can even talk, um, you know, we mentioned the cover, but the way that the cover came about, I I mean, that's, that's not very typical. Usually you send off your idea and you get something back and you say, Hey, that's good. Or, uh, but yours (laughs) kind of came about in an interesting manner. So I'd love to hear about the cover and about the illustrations inside. Uh, the cover is by uh, Eduardo, and I sorry I don't remember how to pronounce his last name. The Bedelva, um, he does like found footage photo manipulation on Twitter, and I just followed him because I really like that stuff. Mm. And that's sort of how he made the cover was he would put um, ideas into an AI template like. A horrible monster goopy flesh melting or whatever and it would make these weird textures and he would sort of mess with them and add them on to uh we we called her flappy <laughs> she's the, the the melting woman on the cover of the book and we he he does stuff live on stream so uh we had uh, myself and also his audience was were making suggestions and been like oh i like that part you know, to sort of make it the best it could be. But also it is, <laughs> it is very pink because pink is my favorite color, but also because I think uh, one of my biggest inspirations is the blob who is, mm. a, you know, a big pink thing. So that really uh, came across and all of the uh, um, interior illustrations kind of came about in a, a funny way the first one was just like a fun commission i got of the creatures just because somebody was like hey i'm doing commissions does anybody want one i was like here's the description could you draw that and they drew and there was dude and he drew this horrible mass with ex- exposed bones and stuff i was like oh this is great and then uh when i was getting the book made i was like oh this is kind of short Maybe I should put some stuff in between chapters. And I got another commission. Like, oh, well, what if I went to this other person? And 
I really liked, um, I would send them three chapters and I would say, uh, pick which one you like the best and just draw whatever comes to mind. Cause I really like that kind of creative freedom that they had to just do whatever. And I loved all of them pretty much <laughs> immediately. And, uh, and then I, I just, as I got more <laughs> illustrations, it kind of got a little bit of hype on, on Twitter that led me to knowing more people and I would give them another illustration. So I think there's what, like eight or nine in there now. Got uh, Trevor Henderson in there too. Love his artwork. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. We're, um, we're going to have him on for the end of this month for our third annual Halloween episode. Um, his creatures are they, they just make perfect sense to being here. Um, I just want to jump real quick back to the blob. Did you, do you like the, the original one from the, I think it's from the 50s, but it might be wrong. I think it's 1958. It, I think, I think it's, it's fine. <laughs> but it's I, aged. I, I know that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it looks, it looks like raspberry jam, yep. but I, I love the 80s one so much. It is just, it's just a perfect movie to me, uh, especially in terms of of goopiness. I mean, oh, for sure, the goopiest. <laughs> I would always right. say my big my big three inspirations are the uh, the Blob, Society, and Body Melt. That is like, you know, those are what made Inside Out what it is. That's awesome. I recently, because Haley Piper is always posting that still from society, mm-hmm. and I curiosity got the best of me, and I brought up like the last 10 minutes of the movie or whatever it is on uh on YouTube. And there's just some things you can't unsee, and that's yep. one of them. I wish I didn't do that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> if this book's ever adapted, that's that's gonna be it too, man. This thing is gonna be you can't look away from it. It'll be disgusting, but awesome and fun. Good luck, Brennan, watching that, because I know that <laughs> you and I have, <laughs> we're, we're babies. Um, yeah. Let's get to, oh, wait, you know what? Before you get to Erica's second question, I know a good segue. Yeah, we're really awkward with this stuff, Laura. Um, <laughs> tooth worms. That, <laughs> as I was listening to that, I, I'm not kidding. I had a physical reaction where my... <laughs> My stomach was just like, oh, <laughs> and then it ended. I'm like, oh, damn it. We want more. <laughs> Bring up. Um, Eric. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I just I'm 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 sorry. and glad no, that no, you that liked was, it. That was great. That's good writing. Yeah. Uh, Erica's actual question, you've kind of already answered. You can touch on it a little more if you want, but I think it's worth reading just to say that she was at the dentist when she, when she was writing this, but she said, Toothworms was one of the most terrifying stories I've ever read. Any plans to work on even more body horror in the future? Oh, I mean, I already am, but <laughs> I, I'm glad that, that people like or like Toothworms, even though it's horrible, it was uh, based on a really bad toothache that I had with no worms involved, thankfully. <laughs> and um, it it was a, a concept I saw on a Wikipedia that people used to think that toothaches came from little worms. I'm like, oh, well, that is just the worst thing I've ever heard. So now I got to write about it. I'd like to ask the both of you, since you are now you know, published with Darklit. I haven't heard of another publisher doing this where they offer an author, uh, you can write a story, it'll be free, but it'll be exposure and promotion. Um, how has your, both of your experience been with that? I'll start with Laura, then Brennan. Um, well, Toothworms was already written and Andrew thought it would be a good gross promotion and um i think his name is nick who did the narration for it and i i just really really like that narration it it's uh, i noticed i noticed this later but my my writing still seems to be very 
casual and somebody retelling a story. So it works really well for that kind of audio style. And it, I, I'm glad that, that people have been receptive to it, even if it is uh, in a, you know, made me want to throw up kind of way. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to read stuff like that. I, I like Extreme Splatter if it's, you know, uh, executed well. It was fun. Um, Brendan, uh, we probably touched on this already, but just for people that may not have heard, what is your uh, take on it? The, you know, having your book out, but also with um, promotional short story. Yeah, we did hit this on that other episode, but so I won't, you know, monopolize Laura's time, but I, I love the idea. I think it's a, you know, Laura, you mentioned that Andrew, uh, initially hit you with this massively long list of ideas to promote. And, uh, you know, if I didn't get the same one, I got a similar one when he was considering the book and it both overwhelmed and impressed me. And I, this is just one little facet in that, you know, long list of what I think this publisher does well, because there's not a lot of publishers who are putting this much time and energy into ways to get your book into people's hands um and or 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 your stories into you know onto people's kindles and phones and whatnot in order to kind of promote the next thing um and i i love this idea for just that ability to reach more eyes and obviously people are going to be more willing to take a chance on something if it doesn't cost any money and if you impress them or make them Patrick you want to make that noise again that you made when you read this story <laughs> I believe it was <laughs> <laughs> so yeah if it, if it if it that was more it, than it, five elicits, stars by the way Brennan <laughs> if it elicits a reaction um and gets someone interested in buying that next piece of work like oh I love this idea I think he he described it to me as giving them a taste of the writing style which is in, in retrospect a, a gross way to put it but it's also kind of perfect because like toothworms is a very good little encapsulation of what kind of stuff i write so if you're like wow that was gross well i i have got a treat for you my book is also <laughs> gross <laughs> Uh, Laura, you mentioned earlier that you are going to be editing, that you are editing an anthology for Ghoulish called Bound in Flesh. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about how that kind of came about and where you are in the process? So it was a very funny way because uh, I think I was I was just like waiting in the car or something and I, I tweeted like, why doesn't why doesn't this exist yet? And I put like a dumb image on it. And Max was like, okay, what what if it did exist? Would you want to do that? And I I like typed yes as fast as I've ever in my entire life. And um he's been he's just been great helping me through the process because I've never done anything like this before. So he's you know putting me step by step. And uh I there's 13 stories, I think we we picked and he sort of um helped me on the sidelines but it, it but he has uh, reiterated that this is my project and that he's just here for uh, the supporting role and uh we have some some famous faces and some fresh faces and they're all really horribly gross and i can't wait to to share them with the world i think i don't know when but i think we're going to do a, a cover and a author reveal soon so crossing my fingers that that happens but i, I think people are going to really like it that's wonderful so as far as uh the experience editing is this has it you know we, we we've we've heard from people who edit anthologies and they the, the general experience tends to be, it was a ton of work and I'm exhausted and I would never do it again, but I'm going <laughs> to do it again. What's, uh, would you do it again? Oh, absolutely. As, as I was reading through the stories, I, I was like, man, it'd be really cool if I just did anthologies all the time. 
<laughs> like I'm 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 sure I will regret saying that and it will be a lot of work if if anyone ever wants to do an anthology with me in the future but I really like the process of of going through all the stories and you know picking which ones work the best and it I'm going through the edits right now with Max and I don't know. I'm really enjoying the process. Maybe it probably helps that I don't have a day job. So I have a lot more free time with my hands than most people. But yeah, I, I think it, I think it'd be great. I did more of it. Sounds like well, uh, now you're out there. Now you're, now you're out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like the first time for you is a, like mine, a, just a good experience. You got a publisher that is doing right by you and uh, best of luck. Seriously. I can't Thank wait you. for that reveal. Um, got me really, really, really intrigued. I want to know more. I'm not going to ask because it's not ready, obviously. But it's a, it's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> now, because Inside Out is a short book, so I don't really know what else to bring up about it without just totally spoiling stuff. And so I would like to ask you if there's anything that we haven't talked about c- pertaining to uh, Inside Out that you would like to tease about if not that's fine we can move on um well it since it's a sort of collection of short stories there were a few that i didn't manage to put in so there is a possibility that i could write um a sequel eventually i do have some absolutely horrible (laughs) ideas for it so maybe if it does well there could be more in the future you know that that that's definitely awesome um kind of feel like it has parallels to world war z um in the sense where you know there's different accounts throughout different locations on this one plague if you will or pandemic or whatever word you want to use was that at all in your mind like did did you did you read the book and if not it's fine but i'm just wondering if that had any inspiration on this um i didn't read world war z but i think i read um if it's the same guy he did another one that's just like the zombie survival guide i remember reading that one yeah that's Mel brooks Um, yeah i thought i thought it was really interesting oh matt uh brennan's laughing at me max brooks (laughs) Max, not the Mel famous, the famous directors, <laughs> <laughs> the producers guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh god, you know what it is? Is my kid sick, and I don't know how much sleep I got last night. So I'm apologizing to you because I'm just like a fart brain right now, Brennan. That's, uh, that's okay, <laughs> <laughs> Brennan. I know you got a few more questions. Why don't you, why don't you throw them uh, towards Lore? Um, so first off, I believe I could be wrong here, but I believe Max Brooks is actually Mel Brooks son. So maybe that's what you were thinking, but, um, now I want to look that up and make sure I'm not just completely lying to everybody, but, uh, no, that that's back in the realm of that is okay. That, that must be the connection you were thinking of. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I don't even know what I Um, fucked up now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no. You have a couple things on the horizon you have uh, that, that I'd, I'd love to hear you talk about. Uh, there, there's a pirate book. There is a goop troop. Uh, hit it. What, what, what do we expect? Uh, well, so goop troop is me and Eric Raglan and Shelley Levine. And we're kind of all writers of horrible, disgusting things. And we've had issues submitting to places because it it seems like some people are not you know not into that extreme stuff so we had the like well damn it we'll just do it ourselves and so we're like well what if we had a collection of horrible disgusting stories and uh i i described myself with the word goop and i think i i used the word goop troop like as a joke once and now it's kind of like, well, I guess that is us. We're the we're the goop troop. So awesome. we have some pretty amazing and horrible <laughs> stories. Um, what mine is funny because uh, you mentioned earlier a story you had involving kids, and you're like, is this going too far? 
Um, so my story involves uh, fetuses. And I, I messaged a couple of people and I was like, is this, is this too much? Because I feel like my, my gross meter is absolutely broken and I don't know like what is normal and what is too far. And they're like, no, I think it's, I think it's okay. I'm like, okay, well maybe I need to make it grosser <laughs> if that's the case. But uh, turn it up a notch. Chuck Palahniuk would want you to do it. He's got this whole turn it up a notch to what eleven or something. So, and what is the the story he wrote about the the guy getting his <laughs> his stuff sucked out of his butt in the pool? Yeah, guts is guts. a fan favorite. That was yes. uh yeah, that was published uh, in uh, Playboy magazine. Really? Wow. Wasn't that the one, Brandon? Am I making that up? I I can't say for sure. I don't remember. Yeah, I remember right it now. was like, oh, tons of people have passed out when he reads the story. I'm like, yeah, I could see that if you've got a you know crowd of people who maybe not not ex- expecting that. But mo- most horror people know that that story by now. It's mm. it's in our our canon of of history. It's visceral. Like it, it's just. <laughs> Oh my god, I I don't even know what to say besides if you haven't read it, I would look it up. It's in the book Haunted. I'm trying to find where it was originally published. Brendan, I thought you had one more thing. I thought we were waiting for you to tell us. No, my computer's (laughs) being very slow, so jokes of both of us. Laura, how about the other book that you have coming out with? uh, it's, It's with Shelley, right? Yep, Shelly is great, and we mesh really well together. And I, uh, Andrew was doing a, a a pirate horror thing, and he's like, "Well, does anybody have any ideas?" And I had a, a couple ideas, and I told them to Shelly because I talked to Shelly all the time. And they're like, "Wow, that's great! What about if it had this, this, and this?" And I said, "Well, why don't you just write it with me? <laughs> if you have all these ideas." And we immediately went into a Zoom call and, and like went back and forth and it became a whole outline of uh, a novella. And I'm very, very excited about it because it is like I, I, I grew up, you know, do you remember? I mean, it's, it's more memorable for people our age than, than Gen Z, but there was this whole pirates versus ninjas a kind of meme debate back in the early 2000s. I was squarely on the pirate side and I loved Pirates of the Caribbean and I, you know, that was my <laughs> that was my thing. So it's exciting that I get to combine these these interests and there's some horrible monsters and cool pirate stuff and I think I described it as like our flag meets death plus like body horror just like disgusting that is awesome i'm laughing <laughs> because brennan i'm not gonna say why he'll he'll tell you but he kind of loves that movie i do too um saw the first like two or three in theaters brennan wow what are your thoughts on pirates of the caribbean oh, i'm firmly <laughs> on team pirates there now he's referring to i have a uh, a half sleeve tattoo from the from those movies um, <laughs> yes yeah um so yes firmly on team pirates <laughs> i can't wait for that though because i don't know really recently any pirate books at least in the horror world i'm not thinking of anything as of the last few years anyways if there was i i i missed it <laughs> i think we all missed it if there was but yeah that'd be really neat is that um is there any projected release date or is it kind of just uh i think um he's already got people slated all through spring so i think we're looking at more fall for ours okay and by the way guts was published in 2004 march 2004 issue of playboy magazine that's crazy can you <laughs> yeah. imagine buying a playboy and reading that I, I think that's the opposite effect that playboy's trying to go for yeah i know like I think uh, Joe Bob Briggs used to do articles for Playboy. It's like, what was a Playboy magazine actually like? 
because I have if I feel like I'm getting a lot of conflicting messages from the, <laughs> the history of the magazine. The only other person that we spoke to on here that had a story in Playboy magazine was John Jacobs Horner. And I can't even remember if he actually told us how he got that, but that that was kind of like a brag because like it I don't know how people actually get stories in there, like fiction stories in there. I have no idea. Yeah. It's a weird I, brag, I, but I, I think it's like they it's like agented submissions oh, rather okay. than you know I I don't think I don't think they do open call. It's not like <laughs> Darth think, Pitch. You don't think no. Hugh Hefner read guts? <laughs> oh he he might have. <laughs> so I never thought that. it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like Chuck Palahniuk to to Hugh Hefner. <laughs> Um, Might be closer than you think. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chuck's a sweet man. Hugh, I don't know, but he kind of seemed like a creep. I don't know. He might not have been. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, currently reading, Laura. What are you currently reading? Oh, I just finished uh, Split Screen Volume Two from Dreadstone. They sent me a digital version, and uh, it was insane. A uh, friend of mine. Uh, M. Lopez da Silva did one of the stories, and it is very goopy. So I was, I was like, yes, the whole, the whole time. I think they even used the word goop, so I was very proud. <laughs> and then I have um, Ghost Eaters by Clay uh, so McLeod Chapman. That's such a good book. And then I have um, the United States of Crypt. I don't remember the author's name. Ochre, J. Ochre, something like that. And it's like a dictionary of cryptids in the United States. I'm finding it really interesting. Maryland has a lot of really weird ones. And I don't think Canada has very many now that I think about it. I think we've got like a couple. So our our book would be very short in comparison. Brandon, what are you currently reading? Um, I am reading, I just started Lessons in Demoralization by Nikki R. Lee. I've been meaning to get nice. to this one. I've had this one sitting on my desk for like a month now. Um, I love Nikki R. Lee's uh, short fiction. Um, she, she just has a kind of a way of writing where she like jumps in, slices and jumps out. <laughs> a lot of the short, the stories are very, very short, but again if they're not slicing they're just punching you right in the mouth and then they you know take their leave they never overstay their welcome and um you just you just kind of feel like there's no wasted words no wasted sentences it's just i came here to wallop you over the head and i'm <laughs> damn well gonna do it uh the other one i just jumped into the other day this freaking monster uh chuck wendig's yeah. wayward oh, is yeah. the uh sequel to wanderers so this is a big oh my god of an 800 page book i'm like 40 pages in it looks like i haven't even started yet dude oh, <laughs> i i wanderers was one of the first books i read after the quarantine stuff started and i mean how long was that book like four or five hundred something like that oh, i think that was closer to like seven or eight yeah um, it took me forever to get through it so that that one's gonna take me like two years to get through yeah, I'm trying to read it by like November, and I'm I'm, I'm fingers crossed that's going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. But that's I I, I dig it. It's you know I so much of what I've read lately is kind of that uh, shorter you know eighty to one hundred and fifty page novella, and I love that stuff. That's you know half of what I write. Um, but there's something very satisfying about digging into such a chunky monster of a book um, where it just kind of jumps around and does almost mundane things with the characters, you know, and that doesn't sound like a compliment, but the idea of, you know, just really, really digging in and getting to know everybody before the horrible things go down. Um, yeah. I just, I love the, uh, the occasional doorstop. <laughs> They're fun. You know, I mean, again, Clive Barker has some excellent ones. Um, I remember reading the only time I read the stand, the uh, unedited, not the unedited one, the uncut one, wherever, wherever it's worded as. Um, it might have been unedited. 
I snorted 1100 pages, but oh my uh, gosh, that, that, that took, that took me quite some time to get through also it, but you know, it was worth it. it. It's cool because like when it's done well, you can, like you said, dive into the characters and you're not going to get that in a shorter book. Although if it's not done well, you're going to fall asleep. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a gamble. Chuck's really good about it though. I really enjoyed it wanders and i mean you get to you get to know those characters really really well and some of them are gonna are in the the sequel so i you know you really appreciate all the little moments and the horrible moments yeah uh where can people follow you oh uh my twitter is lorelei l-o-r-e-l-l-i underscore and i have a blog that is wordpress. And I mean, you can just look me up and I'm on a couple of different websites where I do nonfiction. Excellent. Um, and I probably should start doing this, but if you want to follow us on our social media, look up Dead Headspace, various forms um, on Instagram and Twitter because some buttheads stuck the just Dead Headspace, one word. Um, and final thoughts do you have any final thoughts anything that you want to let us know about anything that you got upcoming that maybe we didn't cover yet uh no just i hope that people like my book i guess technically it will be out when this airs so you know thank you everybody for the support on my very first novella and i'm looking forward to it um brennan you want me to save you for last Sure. Final thoughts are thank you so much for coming on. It's been fun talking to you, and uh, certainly not the it's not the first and last. We we are very excited to see what you got coming up. Um, anytime I think of Goop now, I'm gonna think of you. <laughs> and I'm I'm sorry if this is coming off the wrong way, but that little Pokemon, the like little Goop Pokemon, I forget what it's called. Ditto. Is it Ditto? Primer? Or oh yeah, you posted a, a picture of Ditto earlier. On, it is Ditto. On Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Just made yeah, I love Ditto. It. I mean, like, it's just, it's fun, and it's, you know, gonna just not get hurt and absorb everything, so. <laughs> um, and I did look up a picture of the uh, 80s blob, and it reminded me, yeah, that is just such a better movie than the 50s. <laughs> so much better. Yeah. Different leagues. Um, Brennan, final thoughts, sir? Uh, yes, we are deeply appreciative of your time. We're, we're, we're so glad you uh, came on to chat with us. We both really, really enjoyed this book. And since it is October 10th, you know, for the listeners, uh, you can buy it right now. You can, you can order it and it'll be there in a couple of days. You can download it and it'll be on your Kindle in minutes. Um, and like I said, the illustrations just really pull it together. I absolutely mm -hmm. love that. But the prose itself uh, has that striking imagery that really just kind of makes it a companion piece. Um, really really stellar debut i really appreciate that uh next episode and i know listeners uh you have heard me say this before we had a little switcheroo of our our episode order so next episode 166 that will be with grady hendrix and guess who's palio we talk about grady's upcoming book how to sell a haunted house amongst many other things but it's really interesting we dive into old horror we dive into current horror and uh as always, you have many choices in podcasts. Thank you for picking us. Bye.